welcome to another episode of Footnotes. But first, I want to thank our friends at Expansive Coworking here in Columbia, South Carolina. They're at the corner of Maine and Lady, and they let us shoot our episodes uh, here today. So thanks for that. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Brandon Vaughn. He's the founder of Vertex Physical Therapy. And I really enjoyed talking to Brandon. We get to hear his thoughts on how to run a physical therapy business. Um, how to do business even though you're in a caring profession, um, and also his thoughts on on how things should be done and some experiences he had from a previous employer that led him to where he is today. Check it out. Brandon, thanks for joining us. We, we're here with uh, Dr. Brandon Vaughn, uh, who's a licensed physical therapist, and you're the founder and, and, and owner of uh, Vertex Physical Therapy. Um, you guys are all over social media. Your website is uh, Vertex. Uh, PT.com, right? Well, thanks for sitting down with us and, and talking to us. I know you and I have known each other for a couple of years, and um, you were reminding me when we were talking earlier that you've been at this for almost eight years now? Yeah, business, business for almost eight years, but I've been practicing for a little over a decade, which seems unreal too. I feel like I just got out of school, to be honest with you, but it's going by quick. <laughs> so, so what made you uh, just want to open a practice? Well, a little bit of a backstory with that. Right out of PT school, I worked for what we in the industry call a mill clinic. So what that means is one physical therapist can be juggling like three to five patients at a time. And it wasn't so much that I got burnt out by that model, but I felt like I could do better. Because no matter how good you are or how good you want to be, at some point the quality is going to suffer. You're just putting out fires all day. So I, I did the extreme opposite and opened up a cash-based clinic inside of Carolina CrossFit. And that was back during its heyday when Paul Beckwith owned it. And that's where you and I met right, back, right, right. back in 2013. And that was just the complete opposite. I was, I was out of network, all insurances. And it was just me. I was a one-man show. I was a PT, the scheduler, biller, all that kind of stuff. And it was great. It was great at the time. A lot more simple. But... Um, but it, you know what I didn't realize at the time was it's probably the best thing I ever did for my career, just in terms of the hustle that goes with that and the experiences about creating these relationships with patients and stuff that's really carried me through to today. So you said that you know, you, you kind of got to start where a lot of people get their start in kind of a larger place, a larger clinical setting, and, and I think you know use the term a, a mill. But now that you know you definitely do it differently, like. Talk, talk a little more about why you wanted to do it differently. Sure. So it, it, it just it just goes back to the, the quality aspect. It the, the cash model, which we'll talk about how that kind of evolved into Vertex, I guess, it is one-on-one for an hour with a physical therapist. And that was just way different than anything I'd done. And at the time, I was pretty much the only person in town that did that. And it, it, it was just so good because you get to take your time well, normally I'd get to spend 10 minutes with a patient, now it's a full hour, so I get to know what drives them, what makes them tick. We get to talk about lifestyle stuff outside of what they're coming in to see me for, if it's some type of like a neck pain, shoulder issue. It's sleep, nutrition, stress management, that sort of thing. And then as a result, your, your care is gonna be improved as well too. And so what I realize over time is that with that, the, the word of mouth referral happens quickly and, and that's really been the best referral source. And we were able to grow, I was able to grow into, into Vertex over time and kind of giving the people what they wanted with that. Why did you start in a, uh, in a CrossFit gym? Well, I, I did that I did that because uh, someone, used, someone used the analogy one time, it was like having a, an AA meeting in the back of a bar. <laughs> and 
So, at the time, so I love CrossFit, I do it, right? But it has, it has a reputation amongst the general public for being a place where people get injured and that kind of thing. And honestly, I wasn't too familiar with it. I kind of thought that at the time myself. So I was like, I'm gonna have an endless supply of patients. I think I had like 400 members at the time. Yeah. And it, it did keep me busy. It was great. But I also really like that clientele because everybody that comes through there is motivated, right? And we know those, those memberships they cheap, right? It's 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 more expensive than Planet Fitness, so they want to be able to use it. People want to be able to train, and therefore they are going to want to get better and work hard at that, and basically be good patients. And so uh, that was great, man. And um, you know, again, I'm very thankful for Paul Beckwith. He, at the time, he's literally dragging patients out of the gym and pulling them into my office and say, "Here's Brandon, see what you can do," that kind of thing. So it was it was cool. So talk to us a little more. Um kind of going back to, to sort of what drives you and what, what's driven you in, in your, not just your profession, but also in, in creating Vertex as, as a business. Um, what, what is your philosophy for patient care? And, and if it's a little bit different, also just for, for running a business and being a business owner? Yeah, so I, I, I was in business for probably four years total between my cash practice and then transitioning into Vertex, which by the way, we now take insurance as, as well too. But as far as the business side of things go, my philosophy was that I just, I, I constantly have things to work on and I wanna be the best. And I think deep down inside, I know that's never really gonna happen, but it's something I constantly try to do. And now we're in a place where we have a lot of employees. We've got about eight, nine people and the way that employees are managed is, is, a, is a bit different than the way you approach things with patients. And so, you know, with that philosophy of wanting to be the best, that's that's very much integrated, I'd say, in our core values. So basically take pride in what you do, and that's everything. That's that's not just working with your patients, that's the point of contact, the way you present yourself in the community, on social media, that sort of thing. Golden rule, treat others, treat your family the way you want to be treated. And I, honestly, I think the most important one is, is to have fun while you're doing it. I think that I've learned over the years that that one's undervalued because whenever we get our staff firing off all, all cylinders and they're looking forward to coming to work, it really translates into the patient care. And it's just a really cool environment to be in. Does all that, as the owner, I mean, does that all fall on your shoulders to make sure that the fun is there, that, that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing? Or, or how do you sort of diffuse that into the team? I'm still kind of learning that as I go, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, I have to, you know, as, as the owner, the founder, I do put that responsibility on my shoulders, right? I, I accept that for when, you know, mistakes happen. You know, I try to be accountable for that, very much the extreme ownership philosophy with Jocko Willick, I'm sure you're familiar with. Sure. And yeah, I mean, part of that is the way we train our employees as well, too, along the way. We want them to almost be sort of independent, have their own niches in a way, like, for example, we have a therapist who is really integrated with baseball, one that's with tennis, one that works with post-pregnancy, public floor, that kind of thing. And so we basically try to put them on a platform, give them opportunities to grow themselves within our company as well. And it seems like a win-win for everybody. So, so talk a little more about that. I mean, I think, you know, for myself as a sort of a consumer of healthcare, you think, okay, someone who is working there as a physical therapist is already trained. I mean, they went to school, they learned about the body and how it works and all the connective parts and stuff, but how do you train beyond that? So yeah, I, the thing about PT school is it basically trains you to not kill somebody. <laughs> and that's and that's, that's the best part of it. So, 
it, it, yeah. you, it doesn't you, bend this right, way. Right, exactly. That way. Exactly. You get, yeah, exactly. You get a license and you learn the basics, the fundamentals. And, and yeah, I mean, you do, there's a saying in our field where we say principles are few, methods are many, right? So you learn like the Wait, say that again? Principles are few, methods are many. So for example, let's say you have somebody that comes in that has a post-op shoulder. We know we're not gonna crank down on that thing or have them lifting something heavy the first four to six weeks because that's biology, soft tissue healing time. But there's a million ways you can treat that person based off of what their needs are. Maybe it's someone who wants to be able to take care of their grandchild or someone who wants to be able to throw 200 pounds over their head, right? So that's kind of where it becomes a little bit of an art where you kind of make it individualized for the person, essentially. And so you learn as you go, I guess. And I think it's very much trial by fire, which fits me well. I'm kind of a learning by doing type of person. And as long as the intent is there and you're not gonna do something egregious, we actually tell our employees it's okay to make mistakes as long as we learn from them. And, you know, again, don't hurt anybody in the process. And I think if you can establish that environment, everybody's comfortable just to experiment, tinker a little bit, try different things. And that's probably the best way to learn in this environment. How do you how do you try to model that for for folks that are that are, you guys are training again they, they I guess they're competent when they come to you but then you're training them how do you, how do you model that as a leader for them yeah uh, so you kind of have the the formal and informal type of thing so in terms of educating them yes we we have ingrained mentorship we can sign them up for courses continuing education like you get in any kind of field and that sort of thing but you know, I do believe in, in leading by example as well. And so we've kind of had the conversation about CrossFit, right? That's still very much a big part of our clientele is that active population. And the people that we hire tend to be involved in that as well too. You know, we want people who are going to be good commissions, but also kind of get that street cred and also train along, maybe compete with some of their patients as well too. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what gives us credibility and commonality and intent with our treatment and the way that we treat our patients. And so uh, we, we do tend to seek out people who are motivated maybe outside of the work environment to kind of have that lifestyle, honestly, and everything that they do outside of just, you know, being on the job at Vertex. Yeah, I think about uh, a mentor of mine in, in the business that we're in, you know, basically giving financial advice. So, you know, you gotta have integrity in your advice. And he didn't necessarily mean you don't lie to people. I mean, that's sort of implicit, but it's like, you need to be doing the things that you're telling people to do. Exactly, yeah. You know, to, to the extent that you can, it's gonna scale differently and things like that, but it, people can sort of tell when, you know, that integrity is, is not there. You know, they, they kind of expect it to be there, so you maybe don't get a lot of credit for that being there, but it's more when it's not there, it's, it really stands out. Exactly right. Nobody trusts a skinny chef, right? That's the, the same yeah. concept there. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about. Um, you, you, we were talking about earlier. You know, you, you've been. In, uh, you've had a business now for I think you said eight years. Yeah. So uh, cash base for three. So cash then, for three, and, and then, then vertex for five and a half. So yeah. So, so what rate? Talk to us about the past five and a half years of vertex. I mean, you know, are you are you where you thought you would be? I mean, what what's the ride been like? Yeah, I feel like we're just moving a million miles an hour. It, when we sat down to do the business plan when we first started, where we're at now, we weren't supposed to be here until we were kind of like eight to 10 years in business. So it's just been- How were you measuring that, by the way? Um, well, it, it, you numbers, end of the day, right? So you, the way it works with us is we, we are a low volume clinic. We see one patient an hour still 
just like I used to in the cash model, but now again, we do take insurances. So, so one provider, one patient per one hour. hour. Correct. Wow. Correct. Okay. And we, I, I keep in the back of my head that we want to have that growth mindset because that is healthy for a business, right? There's some saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. But the trick is to be able to grow without diluting the quality of your product. Sure. And it's, I would say it's probably a little easier to do with our model because we're not just, well, you can do in this industry base because you can get connected with a venture capitalist and you can just take out a massive loan and open up like five to 10 crappy clinics and build them up, sell them right off into the sunset. But you know, if I did that, I'd be right where, back, right where I started and my pillow's not gonna work at night. So in terms of how we grow now, it's essentially whenever we hire on a physical therapist, we give them a chance to grow, do it organically. When they start to get busy, usually it's like that 90% capacity trigger where there's a little bit of room in the schedule, but not much, then we hire somebody else. Cause that can create a problem if the, pay, the therapist is full and we got somebody who needs to get in day one post-op has to wait two weeks. That could be a problem for the patient. So that's that's kind of the example we typically use in terms of how we, how we grow. And then space-wise, right? Whenever you get a certain amount of people in the building, eventually you outgrow that building and you have to look at expansion. Did you learn anything during uh, sort of, you know, COVID presented a challenge in a variety of ways um, in all aspects of life, but but in the kind of business you're in that, that literally requires physical contact, how did you do that? It, it was dicey at first. It, it uh, in the very, very beginning, everybody was just scared, right? Everybody's scared, confused, and our numbers, our caseloads dropped down significantly. We went from gangbusters, we were like at that 90% down to 30 and it seemed to go on forever and it was only for about three or four months. And there, we had to go case by case with it because there are people who you're gonna to have to put hands on them. You're gonna to have to get your mitts on and move their shoulder around or else that shoulder's gonna get stuck. Right. There are others, maybe a little more fearful where wanted to space out a little bit, actually have more physical space. We even had a few patients that didn't feel comfortable coming to the clinic because they didn't want to breathe the air. So we'd actually do some house calls at the time and that is actually something we're going to start doing in 2022. We're actually hiring a physical therapist that's going to start doing outpatient in the home. So it's not quite home health like you would traditionally think of, like in terms of, all right, you need to be able to get up now from your toilet so you get out of bed. It's going to be people who have different goals. It might be fitness related, it might be other things. And so that's something we kind of learned throughout that process. There actually is a big need for that. There's a lot of people that logistics wise can't leave their house, don't want to, and so we can come to them and there's opportunity in that. Wow. We, we kind of, I've heard that a lot in, in, in these episodes that, you know, we're kind of, you know, out beyond the initial shocks of COVID and it was, it was bad and people had to regroup and rethink and then they adapted. But even some of those adaptations now are, are almost being made permanent because, you know, you were able to see a different way that but for COVID or something that was that drastic in, in the change that it required you to make as a business owner. Uh, it's just really neat to hear those those stories that, you know, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. And so, you know, just plays true in those aspects. Um, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, you wanted the, the people that are working there at the clinic, the, the providers to understand people and understand what, what drives them and is, is motivating. Um, what drives you? Well... I thought about that because I know we kind of had like a little bit of a text exchange and I got an expensive wife and that ain't gonna pay for itself. So I gotta be working. Um, but no, I think, I think um, again, it, it goes back to wanting to be the best. I feel like if, if 
you're not going to be the best. There's no point in doing that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the everything in moderation type of phrase because I think if something's worth doing, you're going to go all in. And honestly, most people I know in business that are great are just really freaking busy all the time. And um, you know, at, this, at the same time with that though, I think that it's just ingrained to try to avoid complacency and whatever motivates you sometimes having a chip on your shoulder. Sometimes you get a little pissed off about things. Like again, my first job, I didn't think they were doing things too ethically. Part That's part of it. I think that, you know, also just you're constantly looking for the, the next thing. And sometimes if something doesn't present itself, you gotta make one up. Otherwise you're just idling and there's really no passion in the work. Yeah, I think all that makes sense. And it's just interesting to hear how people you know, think about those things, and, and almost everyone mentions, you know, something from the, the past, you know, that they saw that, you know, didn't sit well with them or, or didn't, they didn't agree with or, or just flat out wrong, you know, and, and they sort of made a vow to themselves, like, when I get the opportunity, I'm going to do it differently or here's how I'm going to address that or something. And it's just, it's just really cool to hear people go from, you know, you have those thoughts, but you're not really sure what you can do about it to all of a sudden now, you know, you're in a place where, you know, you're not only, you know, making those policies, but you're you're overseeing other people that sort of share that ethos, mm -hmm. you know, and that's yep. got to be really gratifying. So for, for Vertex, you've been at it for five and a half years. You've, you've been through this drastic um, change in the business that was totally brought from the external, you know, inside with COVID. Um, tell us about what, I mean, you mentioned in 2022 about doing doing house calls and, and seeing that as a result of some of the adaptations you had to make, but what else is, is on the horizon for you guys? Well, we, we, we do have some laid out three to five year goals and we do want to expand our footprint. And I, I mentioned doing it organically, not forcing it, not just open up clinics arbitrarily to try to make a bunch of money and sell later on down the road. With that being said, I, I really, I was actually talking to Savannah on the elevator and um, she was talking about her physical therapy experience. And one of the things I've, I've learned in this profession is that nobody really has a clue about what we do. We're just historically terrible marketers as a profession. And what we want to be is basically the one-stop shop for all things musculoskeletal. It's the military model, for example. People in the military don't go to the orthopedist, they go to the physical therapist. And the physical therapist determines if they need to see an orthopedist, stay in therapy, that sort of thing. And so that's what we wanna be. We wanna be that, that place for if somebody sprains their ankle, come right to us, if we can work on it, let's work on it. If we need to refer you out, we know some good people, we can do that. And I think that goes back to the, the quality aspect. I mean, there's a very, small amount of population actually uses physical therapy. I think it's actually as little as 10% when they have issues. So there's plenty of opportunity there. So I think pushing the profession forward is is where we want to be. And uh, what I've learned is that if you, you do the hard work, you deliver a good product, the, the growth and the money kind of takes care of itself, or at least it has so far. So not resting on my laurels, but you know, we still, and it's, again, it's just about that aspect of being present and with, with every person that comes to the door. I know that probably sounds a little bit cliche, but whenever I can focus on the person in front of me and try to block out all external, just tend to do better on all fronts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I, I recognize the importance of setting goals, but I kind of, I feel like if you, if you do that and you focus too much on, on the destination, then when eventually you hit it, it's like, okay, what's next? 
But when you look back, it's like the the journey, the struggle. I was talking about you know when I first met you in the little table in the in the gym. Like those, those that that's what life's all about, man. And yeah. so um, I try to see both sides of that. But set your goals, be present, try to find a balance somehow. Well, thanks for sharing all that. Um, I think that's going to help a lot of people that that watch this episode because I think that there's still so much you know, sort of fantasy thinking about business and, and what it's like. And I think people understand that it's hard or they know that it's hard, but I think people forget about that even in those hard things, you can learn stuff. And if you're willing to adapt and change, you might find something that you're going to choose to make permanent, you know, or um, just seeing something that you think should be different and trying to do something about it, you know, but be willing to take the small steps, have the small table in the corner of a place, you know, and not just, you know, start with a bang, so to speak, but almost start with something that, you know, most people would just kind of walk by and not notice, but then to continue on with it is just a, it's a great story. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think anybody who's listening, you, you just got to take action, just keep moving forward. At the end of the day, a lot of people think about doing it, but don't actually execute. And if you do something, it's probably gonna work out for you some form of fashion. That's a good place to end it. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Brandon. Thanks for and, having um, me. Thanks for running a great business and, and for caring about the work you're doing for the people that could go anywhere else, but they're coming to you guys. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that.